0: Father, we thank you that we can be here together on this day. and Lord, we're just asking that you would bless each part of the service and give us grace to be your servants. Lord, we pray that our worship here today would affect the way we live through this coming week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you wouldn't open to the book of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy And we're going to start in chapter 3 and then go back to chapter 1. And so we'll have the children dismissed at this time to the children's church. And the rest of us, let's look in the book of Second Timothy chapter 3. And we're going to look at a verse right before. A verse that we use all the time. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. That is the purpose. That is what Scripture is supposed to do in our lives. If you do not have... Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen memorized in, in not only in your head but in your heart. Uh, I would challenge you to do so. And of course, we know today is Mother's Day, and uh, uh, we have to ask the I have to ask the question: Where would you be without your mother? Amen. You wouldn't. Uh, and so, please always remember that. If your mother is still here, if your mother is still on earth. Call her, talk to her, uh, do something uh, to be a blessing to her, if you at all possibly can. But I want us to back up one verse. And our theme for this year is becoming as little children. To follow God as dear children. And uh, the first question that we... That I want us to get us to thinking in the proper direction is where do little children come from? Amen. Uh, it's hard to get little children without mama. Amen. Uh, one old time preacher, his name was B.R. Lakin. He, he said, I was born in Kentucky because I wanted to be close to my mother. And uh, uh, most of us could probably agree with that sentiment in one direction or another uh most of us had nothing to do with that part of it. Amen? And and so, here we look at a verse, and I just want us to follow the theme of the year, but also the theme of the day. It says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul's talking to Timothy, and he is explaining that things are going to get worse and worse. Uh, Has happened. Amen. Is happening. In fact, uh, I was just trying to uh, catch just a little bit of the weather, and I had this report of, uh, of all these states, wicked, evil states that are making laws limiting abortion on Mother's Day. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, it just kind of uh, got me thinking and, and uh, I had to resist the urge. Preaching against abortion in, a, in this church does not change anyone's opinion. But it should encourage us to stay on The right pathway. Amen. The God of this book called the Bible is the God of life. It is not an amazing thing that the world relishes in death. And um, so Paul says, you've known this from a child. You have had the scriptures. Thou hast known. How many things, if you just stop and think about, when you were a little child, how many of you can remember when you were five years old? Uh, how many can remember before five years old? I, I have a few memories from when I was like about two and a half. I don't know if they're really mine or if the fact that my dad had one of those eight millimeter movie cameras and, and I watched it. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Well, sometimes we... Remember that way. But children are taught things. Whether you teach them or not. This is one of the reasons why I encourage parents, if at all possible, homeschool your children. Would you let your child grow up in your house? Let's say there was no such thing as public school. Would you let a child grow up in your house and not be able to read? Would you do that? Would you let a child that was entrusted to you by God grow up in your house and not be able to perform mathematical functions as far as being able to purchase things at the store and make sure that you get the right... Would you do that? I challenge you, that would be... Child abuse in my book. To take a child and refuse to educate them in any way that when they were an adult, they would not know how to care for themselves, how to wash their clothes, how to uh, cook food. You, you would do those things. Would you not? Amen? And yet we send kids to public schools. How many kids graduate every year that can't read their own diplomas? In New York City. And by the way, they're teaching the test. That's why everybody's doing better. It's not because they're teaching information. We live in a terrifying world. And the reason I bring that up is because Timothy, the recipient of this book, had a mother that taught him the Bible. Do you realize in the earliest days of this country, the primary reader, uh, someone says, yes, I I have a copy of McGuffey's Readers. No, before McGuffey's Readers, this was the primary book to teach people how to read. And I'll, I'll challenge you, if you can read your King James Bible You can read anything that you need to read in the English language. Because if you don't know the meaning of the words, you'll know enough meaning of words to use the dictionary. Amen? And find out what you want. And what we have going on here in Timothy's life is Paul is saying, listen, from a child. Now, there's something about children that are absolutely wonderful and terrifying. All at the same time. You know, the thing about children is, someone says, I don't understand why my children frustrate me so much. Well, it's probably because they're a lot like you. Right? Right? I do speak from some experience. And I do believe that God gives us children for the sole purpose, not sole purpose, but for one of the main purposes is to give us just a little taste of what he has to put up with from us. And so we need to be mindful of this. And as a church, we need to be careful when the little children... 'cause they're not always going to do things right and and we need to make sure that Timothy had something here. And Paul is acknowledging that. He said uh, that from a child and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. The idea of knowing Scriptures demands teaching of the Bible. Every so often I run into someone says, Do you have Bible studies? Oh, absolutely. We study the Bible at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. Can we say amen to that? Uh, I mean, we work on that. And they say, Oh, really? I would like to come and share some things. Uh, We don't do that kind of teaching at Open, study at Open Door Bible Baptist Church because we actually want you to learn something. I got one amen. Thank you, Brother Brett. I needed that. Uh, that is true. You see, if you're going to teach something, you ought to have someone who knows what they're teaching about doing the teaching. Is that such an amazing concept? No, it's absolutely, it's just where things need to be now, isn't it? Little children. Timothy, as a little child, was taught the scriptures. Now, I do want us to stop and, and, and take a moment here and grasp the challenge that Eunice, Timothy's mother, would have had in teaching Timothy the scriptures. Number one, she was a woman. And so, she would not have access to all the scrolls at this local synagogue. Uh, and by the way, if we read our Bible completely, and we'll touch on this in a few moments, uh, Eunice had not followed everything as exactly as the Bible should say. She married a Greek man. Uh, That would have essentially cut her off from the Jewish community at large. And so Eunice was going to have to put a great deal of effort to even get access to the scriptures so she could teach them to her son. Praise God, we don't have those kind of challenges today. But that was not the world that Timothy grew up in. And we go back to chapter 1 and verse 5 of the book of 2 Timothy. And Paul is, is in the midst of his greeting. He's saying... That he's an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and the promise of life to Timothy, my dearly beloved son. And of course, uh, Timothy was not Paul's physical son, he was uh, the, uh, uh, Paul was his trainer in the ministry. Paul was the man who had uh, 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 set Timothy aside and prepared and trained him and ordained him as a minister. Verse 5 is the one we're looking for. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Now, Timothy had a heritage here. His grandmother and Paul is speaking to him. Paul is speaking. Noting under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God that these words are uh, embedded in the Scriptures, they are now preserved for us. That Paul recognized the faith. Now Timothy was of the city of Derby. Paul visited there on his first missionary journey. He had taken the gospel there before Paul and Barnabas got to Derby on that first missionary journey in Acts chapter sixteen. There were uh, uh, I mean and in, in Acts actually thirteen and fourteen is the visit recorded. Uh they didn't have the New Testament at all, what we call the New Testament. Uh at that time, maybe the book of the Gospel of John had been written, parts of Matthew, Luke. We don't know. Luke would have taken his treatise, probably the last of the Gospels, Mark at this point, as Paul was making his first missionary journey, was still a very young man. He was taken as their servant, and he quit in the middle of the first missionary journey and went back home. And so uh, they did not have what we have. The first they heard of Jesus Christ was when Barnabas and Paul went in there and began to preach the word and established a church. Well, guess who was one of the first members? Apparently Lois, Timothy's grandmother. And the Bible doesn't tell us exactly when um, Eunice would have believed. Maybe she was already married and everything. We just don't know all that history. But we know that that unfeigned faith. Now, you have to get this. The only scriptures that Lois had were the Old Testament Scriptures. The only Scriptures that Eunice had to teach Were was the Old Testament. And I often like to remind people the Isaiah scroll was four foot high and sixty foot long. I mean, uh, yesterday as our ladies went, my wife came and said, uh, I, I don't want to carry... The whole Bible on the tour. Can I have your New Testament to uh, teach out of to our ladies? Reach in my pocket and hand her the whole New Testament. Uh, Somewhere in my desk years ago, I picked up a Bible on microfilm. It's about the size of a postage stamp. uh, A large stamp. The whole Bible. Uh, You can put ten Bibles on one of those little thumb drives. That you put on your key ring. About one gigabyte is a whole Bible. No, I'm sorry, one megabyte. Yes. Um, I have to remember my thing. So, how many Bibles could you put on a 16 gig drive? I mean, it's crazy. The Bible's about one million characters. And so, what we have here is Timothy's faith is directly connected... To his grandmother and his mother. Let's take a moment and go to Acts chapter 16. And we'll just touch on a few things here. Acts chapter 16. In verse 1 it says, Then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, this was the second missionary journey, by the way. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lister and Iconium, and him would Paul have to go forth with him. And he took him and circumcised him because the Jews that were in those quarters, for they all, they knew all that his father was a Greek. And so here, we have Paul bringing the gospel, going back to Antioch. He was there for some, uh, time and then he comes back on his secondary journey and we already have Timothy listed as a disciple. That tells us an awful lot happened between Paul's first visit to Derby and Paul's second visit to Derby. Amen that there were some things going on. And the people that were doing that, of course, there were men in the church. There was a pastor of that church. But Lois and Eunice, were. Paul gave them the chief responsibility and said that Timothy from a child has known the holy scriptures. By the way, when Paul would take Timothy with him, do you think that was against mother's wishes? I've heard many people over the years, just please don't think I'm thinking of anybody in particular. Now, Right now I'm at Bible college, different places, and they all say, I'm just, I'm just so afraid that if I surrender, my child might get sent to the mission field. I pray that God sends my children to the mission field that he would find someone in my household as worthy as Timothy was in his. You say, but aren't you... Oh, hey, we're we're just getting started on this grandkid thing. And, and uh, someone says, uh, uh, someone tried years ago, said, well, you have so many children, you wouldn't miss one. I, I said, there's a reason you don't have children. <laughs> To make that statement tells me you don't you don't know what it is to have children. You you know when one is missing. You also know when there's an extra one hanging around. Even if it's uh, even if they're everybody's home, I walk in. And, hey, somebody extra's here. I feel it. I mean they're just. I mean it's just there. You know these things. Because there should be a relationship of faith in the home. And I want to under I want us to grab a hold of this. Things weren't all right in Timothy's home. Timothy's faith had nothing to do with his father. The fact that his mother married outside the Jewish community um, we uh that that was against the Old Testament scriptures. Your faith is supposed to be shared in the home. But, aren't you glad that God forgives sins? Aren't you glad that God works past our problems and our mistakes? And as we look here, we have Lois studying the Old Testament Scriptures, and when Paul came to town, she already had a simple biblical faith that forced her, that caused her to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Old Testament and the New Testament are simply time periods. Everything in the Old Testament points toward Jesus Everything in the New Testament points toward Jesus. We just get his name in the New Testament. Amen? And so Lois had a faith that was real. If you stop and think about it, the Bible tells us her only product was a daughter that didn't, we might say, didn't do things exactly the way the Bible said. But that daughter still had enough faith that when Timothy was born... They taught him the Scriptures. And let's go back to 2 Timothy 3 here and finish this verse here. It says that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. You know, when a little child is born, their whole world is being fed, cleaned, fed, cleaned, sleep. That's, that's, that's the whole world of a baby. But it soon gets more than that. They gotta learn to eat and walk and talk and all of those things. They've got to grow and, and then they've got to start learning things. You know, No matter how qualified we are, not a one of us are qualified to teach everything. That's what books are for. Amen? Uh, That's what schools are for. That's why when, when our children get a certain age, we send them off to college if they're going to prepare for the ministry. By the way, that's what church is about. That's why we have the Sunday school lessons, the through the Bible time that we have on Sunday morning so that people can grow up hearing the Bible stories. And it never ceases to amaze me uh, as I review in our own house little children uh, three and four years old saying things and making biblical connections with things that they po- could not possibly have heard. Except when they were sitting and fidgeting and making noise and doing all the things little three and four year olds do. In the through the Bible time in Sunday school, they're still listening, they're still getting things. And this was Timothy. Lois produced a daughter, a daughter produced a son, Timothy. But when Paul came on the scene and would take Timothy, Timothy was already a disciple. He was already saved, baptized, serving in the church. You can't be a disciple without serving in the church. You can't serve without a testimony of salvation, baptism, membership. These are things that are important. These are things that are just understood. And mom let Timothy go with Paul. Why? Because the faith that was in Timothy was her faith, and that faith was in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Timothy would be used in many great ways. He would pastor the church at Ephesus. Ephesus truly was, in Paul's day, the New York City of the world. It was a big metropolitan port city. Everything was. Went through Ephesus, the Roman Empire, anything east of Rome. All connected some way with the city of Ephesus. It was was an incredible place of commerce. And here's Timothy. And Paul says, don't be afraid. You have faith. You preach. That faith isn't your faith. It belonged to your grandmother. It belonged to you. And so... What I'd like for us to do in just the next few minutes is try to take what happened in the life of Timothy. As he was a little child, his mother taught him the Scriptures. The Scriptures made him wise unto salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, the only place you're going to learn about the Bible is right here. Now, let's just start. You see, not every mother automatically has the right faith in the right things. I don't know how many people. My my mother, my father, my probably the most Salient one that's just burned into my conscience. Some of you remember Warren, who used to attend our church. He lived in Brooklyn, and he was of a Jewish heritage. And one of the things he said to me on the phone, we we spent hours and hours going over the Bible and things before he got saved. And he said, if I admit that you're right, he said, then I've got to understand that all of my family is lost. All of my family, everybody, that I would be the only one in my whole family that's accepted Jesus. That my grandparents and their their grandparents are all separated from God in eternity. Said, "How how do I deal with this?" Said, "Well, Warren, I I cannot help you with." the emotional side of all of this tragedy that is in your life. But I can tell you this. Any person that has crossed the threshold of eternity, if we could speak to them, their only testimony would be, believe in the God of the Bible. Because it is the only way to the right side of eternity. And those people who are saved would tell us to serve him more. Because one second of beholding Christ will convict us of every false thing that we've ever done. If we could only know. But we can't experience that until we step across that threshold. So the first challenge today is to examine your own faith. Is it the unfeigned faith that Paul talks about here that dwelt in Lois and Eunice and then in Timothy? Now that word unfeigned is a word that we do not use in modern English very much. We have a whole phrase that kind of fills in the uh, meaning of that word. To feign something simply means to uh, take the circumstance that is absolutely terrible and make it look good. Or that's absolutely good and make it look terrible, but usually it's the other way around. The idea of feigned is fake. And that's why we go to the story of the prodigal son in our Bible. It says he fain would have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. It meant that he was in such a condition of hunger and poverty that in his mind, the food that the pigs were eating, if there's any way to grab a hold of it without losing his own fingers, it looked awful good. Now, how many of you'd like to be there? I mean, that that was a terrible place to be. Unfeigned means that you can look at reality and you don't have to pretend that it's not right. You see, you come to church and I pray and I hope that as the pastor of this church that every time we have a preaching time, that every person here is brought face to face with the reality and the holiness of who God is. That, that's my goal. Because when we meet God like that, what's the first thing we have to understand? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God! Exclamation point. Jesus Christ came to save sinners of whom I am chief, as the words the Apostle Paul used in his understanding. How short we come up. And yet, in spite of how short we are, how how much failure typifies our faith relationship with God. God, knowing all of that, still loved us enough to send Jesus to pay the price for our sins. Still established a church that we can meet together and strive together to serve the Lord in. And and so the first point that we need to grab a hold of is the fact that our faith, if we're going to pass it on, if it's going to be something worth someone else picking up behind us, better be the right kind of faith better be faith in the words of God. Our faith should not be in personalities, in people. Our faith must be in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our faith must be in the words of this book. And And if we're going to be serious about the words of this book, it's going to change the way we live, isn't it? It's going to change the way we approach life, the way we think about things. And yet, uh, we have, as Baptists have often been accused of being baptized in dill pickle juice and weaned on a lemon or something along those lines. Uh, and uh, a, a, a realistic biblical appraisal of the world in which we live is not encouraging at all. In my lifetime. I have seen the greatest degradation of American society in its history. When I was when uh, I can't say when I was a kid that much, but uh, uh, we had my father had to learn to lock the car door and take the keys out of the ignition. When he grew up in central Pennsylvania, you left the keys in the ignition. As Brother Clayton would say, when you left your home, you left the door open because your neighbor might need some sugar or flour or something and you'd want them to be able to get in and borrow it. Now, if we leave the doors of our church open, people will come in, but they won't borrow things. Uh, They take sound equipment and tools and anything they get their hands on. And uh, so, the appraisal of this world is not very positive. But we can still be encouraged and full of joy because of who Jesus is. Amen? I have a positive outlook on all the negativity in our society because I read the end of this book. Do we have anybody else here that likes to skip through and read the end chapter to decide whether the book is worth reading or not? Um, I don't always do that, but... If I don't know the book I'm reading, I, I will often try to, uh, find the, the, the theme. If it's anything religious, I'm always looking for the conclusion. Where, where are we going with this? Who published this? More often than not, it'll be Unification Church or some crazy nutsy organization and say, you know what? I don't want to be influenced with that because if I'm influenced with that, it will change my approach to this. I read commentaries, but I want to make sure I read this first so that I can make fun of the bad stuff in the commentaries. Amen. Uh, and, and not be taken in by it. If we're going to have a faith like Lois, like Eunice, that was worth passing down to the next generation we've got to get a hold of that faith and make sure our faith is rooted in the scriptures amen now Timothy received that faith as a little child you know what the hardest thing to do with a little child is teach them things that they think they already know Someone once said, what do you tell a New Yorker? Not much. Because they already know everything, right? Wrong. Um, The second point is we're going to turn this thing all around. If we as adults and young people in this church do not receive faith in God as that little child and allow ourselves to be taught, the faith that we pass on to this next generation will not be the unfeigned faith of the Word of God. It will be something else. You wonder, I remember talking to uh, uh, some... uh, He held some position uh, in the Orthodox Church. I'm not sure if he was actually the priest in a local assembly or not, but he was... we just had a good conversation and I said, well, what are the origins of the orthodox faith? And he says, "Well, oh, that's a very complex question. He says, you see, the faith of the orthodox church is a conglomeration of all the faith of all those that have held the orthodox faith through the, through the millennia of history of our church. He said, well, that's easy to grasp because that's the difference between yours and mine. I said, the faith that is in a true Bible-believing Baptist church is only concerned with the words that are written in this book. That's why I can't change. Oh yeah, our, our clothes should change. I mean, uh, modesty in its simplest term, is not drawing undue attention to myself. That's the simplest definition of modesty. But if an Amish person walked in that door, though they're completely clothed, everybody's going, wow, where would they come from? Why? Because their clothing is so different, it draws attention. That is the essence of immodesty. Not modesty. Are you still with me this morning? We kind of got to go everywhere to get this thing. But. Number one. We have to maintain our faith. Number two. We still have to receive that faith. As little children ourselves, to allow ourselves to be taught. I've often said, I I love being a pastor. I love preaching because my first thought is the people that come to this church come willingly and of their own uh, accord. The thing I hate about, I taught one year in a Christian school at Cleveland Baptist Church. But the idea of me being locked in a room with a whole bunch of kids that had to be locked in a room to learn something that nobody cared about was very frustrating to me. Anybody there? Raise your hand, Philip. Uh, we Of our nature, we don't want to learn. But if we're going to be those dear children that the Bible talks about. We've got to choose to be willing to be instructed by the word of God. And we've got to choose to be unwilling to be instructed by people. Who are not teaching what the Bible says. You think Timothy didn't have all kinds of influences in his life his father was a greek not his uh, when that word is used in our new testament it's it's not talking ethnic greek from the land of greece necessarily it's talking about a philosophical uh gentile someone who believed in uh, uh, the gods of the greeks the the philosophy of the greeks all of these things that are out there uh uh culturally uh, or uh, genetically, biologically speaking, uh, if we were to call Timothy anything today, he would have been a Turk. He lived in the country we call Turkey. In the Bible, it's called Asia. But the Greek philosophy had controlled that area for generations at this time. Its temples were all through the land of Asia or Turkey. And Timothy had the influence of all of those things. His father was pulling, why won't you believe me? Why won't you go to church with me? Because Timothy gotten hold of the faith as a little child that made him wise unto salvation. And when Paul came and gave the message of Jesus, Lois believed. It wasn't too long before Eunice believed. And it wasn't too long before they began passing on that faith to Timothy. And when Paul came along and said, I would like Timothy to travel with me and be my helper in the ministry, Mama let go. As long as I have a memory. I remember some friends of mine... uh, Took me to Springfield, Missouri. They were going on a road trip with their family in a motor home. They said, we'll drop you off at school on the way. And so I had me one of them big old uh, surplus duffel bags with everything I owned, just about stuffed in it. That's all I had. And I put it in the motor home. They pulled up in front of the house. And my mama just stood there just, I mean, tears falling on the ground. Just weeping fountains of tears because her son was leaving her. And, oh, it still hurts, even though my mom's in heaven. But you know something? She did let me go. I remember when Joya's father said that she could be married. I knew it was killing him. But he was a spiritual enough man to know that he had to let go. And I respect him so greatly for that. You see, the next generation is moving whether we want it to or not. And every parasite and vicious, the Bible talks about lying and cunning, craftiness whereby with they deceive, I mean, they're out there. And they're trying to grab our children. Mother, if you want your children to have the right kind of faith, you'd better get the right kind first. And you better make sure that the goals and admonitions and the things that you are really after in your heart are what's in this book. Please, don't kid yourself. None of us come there naturally. We have to fight it every day. Someone said, when did you start getting ready for your girls to get married? The day they were born. I know if I didn't start early, things would be really, really bad for that poor, unfortunate schmuck who's gonna. No, Uh, God has given wonderful son in laws, but I'll I'll tell you, you got to start early. If you, I, I remember my mother's tears. I'll never forget them as long as I have memory. But I knew this. My mom wanted me to serve God. And even though it hurt her deeply to say goodbye and have me leave, she knew that's the way it had to be. You see, that's faith. Amen? But if we, on the other hand, don't turn that idea completely around, and receive that same faith ourselves as little children, we're not going to have what we need to pass on. That's why we have so many churches just sitting empty today. That's why we have churches where they once preached the gospel, and now, not much different than the nightclubs of 50 years ago. see, Timothy, let's just read that verse one more time. 2 Timothy 3.15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus and all God's people said. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and, Lord, I know this has been a really strange Mother's Day sermon. But, Lord, that we would grab a hold of this thing. And number one, we would make sure that the faith that we have is worth handing down to the next generation. Number two, that we would be willing to let go. And let that next generation serve you as you see fit. And number three, that we would remind ourselves constantly that even though we are passing a faith on to the next generation, we must still be that little child to receive that faith from you so that we can pass it on. Help us, Lord, to evaluate where we are what we really want out of this life and allow you to change those things and bring them into agreement with your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As Andrew comes and leads us in the hymn of invitation 508, His Way With Thee, let's stand. If you need to come and pray, the altar's open. If you're here this morning, you're not sure about your salvation, would you allow us to take the Bible? Ensure